Directions and instructions. Do you like them? Perfect answer. No. I don't either. I, I didn't either. Um, directions, classified as the management or guidance of something or someone. Used in a sentence, under his direction, the college has developed an international reputation. Instructions, a direction or order, the is, he issued instructions to the sheriff. Detailed information telling how something should be done, operated, or assembled. Always study the instructions supplied. I like that use of the word instructions. Um, we moved here to Yuba City, and my sons are, you know, high schoolers at the time. And so I thought I had done a decent job of instructing and directing them to use what someone would call instructions. So we went and we bought a bunch of furniture, just quick, quick fix stuff while we were waiting for our furniture that we ordered to arrive. So I bought this quick TV cabinet, one for each of the kids, and I said, here's your TV cabinet. You get to be a man today and learn how to put something together. The directions are in the box. Well, I don't know if anybody else here builds anything that comes out of China from Walmart, but, you know, is anybody guilty of this one? This is me now when I'm holding paper instructions. Paper. For all of you youngsters, we used to only have paper. I do this now with the paper instructions. I try to spread it and zoom in, but it doesn't work. <laughs> Has anybody else here done that with a piece of paper in the last two years? I am so guilty I've done it more than once. It is funny because I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> okay, so anyways, you guys, as you know, those instructions can be really detailed, but you really have to pay attention to the detail. So I remember my son, Sean, calls me and says, Dad? And I said, yeah? And the way he said my name was concerning. I know my son, right? It sounds like he's calling me as if something's wrong. So I go upstairs and he's like, uh, I think I did this wrong. He's drilled the wrong size screws that were too long upside down through a top or bottom of this cabinet into the flooring. Four holes in the laminate. I didn't freak. I didn't even get mad. I felt it was my own vault. I said, I should have never let him do this. I should have just done it myself. Isn't that what we say? Isn't that our parental instinct? I should have just did it myself. So um, I thought that was a cute little story to get us going today. Also, uh, this, is, this, is, this is where it gets good. It would likely be safe to say, because so we're, we're, we're in Jacob. We all know we're in Jacob. We've been traveling Jacob. Pretty soon we'll be with Joseph on our way to Egypt. I'm excited about that. It's where stuff 
picks up fast. Um, so we all know what Jacob's life has looked like, and I always kind of re-up. I bring you back up to speed. Jacob stole his brother's birthright. He got the blessing. He got the real blessing. He got the blessing from God. What did his blessing look like? 20 years of misery, deceit. He gets the wrong woman, the woman he doesn't desire. He finally gets the one he wants. And then when he's ready to go, he's, God's not ready for him to leave yet, right? So we can just say that his blessing didn't look too comfortable. His blessing didn't look like what he wanted it to look like. Not at the time it was happening. So, he's moved a couple times, right? He moved by himself back to his uncle's land. Now he's bringing his family back. And they've just encountered his brother Esau. We just finished that story. And now he's gone off on his own, and he's purchased a parcel of land, correct? He has not returned to his father's home yet, or his father's area. He's set up his own stake, He's being his own man. So, as a father, it's safe to say, as a father who has moved his family multiple times, I have, I've moved my family multiple times, that I have given instructions and directions in what to do and what not to do because my children are children. They're young, they're learning, they're listening. They're, they're, they're there. They're in the back. They're all around us. Yes, there they are. I asked them to be here today. So as a father who's moved his family multiple times, I've given my children instructions in what to do and what not to do. In new areas, yes. Where to go and where not to go. I survey the land when I moved both times. So, I like to take a look at everything that's going on before I expose my family to it, yes? So, this is a really good one. So, we're getting ready to move up here, and I'm traveling back and forth. I'm spending a week in Northern California and a week down south. A week in Northern California, a week down south. And on Saturdays or during the week, if I have time, but mostly on Saturdays before I fly back home, I'm looking at places for us to move. And I finally find Yuba City. I look around, and I, I FaceTime BB. I'm like, look around. Bunch of ranchers and cowboys. There's not a lot of people around here. It's a quiet little town. It's great. It's nothing like what we're used to. It's going to be great. BB's like, cool. We moved up here. We went into the, uh, we, we moved on the first. We go into Walmart. <laughs> on the first. And there's some real weird stuff going on. And my wife goes, where did you bring me? Look at all these weird people. You told me this was safe. I thought it was. Hey, I just found out everybody got their EBT cards filled, okay? That's why they're here tonight. Calm down. I, it was just the first. They had just gotten paid. They came out of every rock and, and, and bush they could, man. They were all at Walmart that night. It was horrible. I love these. I love everybody, but it was not a great first impression for my family when I'm like, look where I've moved us to. So, thank you, Skip. So, 
So then we're like, we're like, we live next to the river. I'm like, guys, we live by the river. The river is right here. We live right by the levee down by Shanghai Bend. So I tell the kids, we'd been here like two, three days. I'm like, let's go explore the river together. Because as a father, I want to make sure it's safe. These are, these are grown teenagers. One a senior, one a freshman. But I still need to make sure it's safe, right? So I go with them. I get down there, and uh, does anybody know the fruit stand at Railroad and Bogue? The fortress-looking wood built up. Somebody had built something on the river that looked like that. Like, this guy was living like the fruit stand. He had shelter, roofs, walls, hangouts, a radio playing, a bunch of tweakers. They're all hanging out, and I'm sitting there with my sons, and I'm like, I don't think you guys should be coming down here by yourselves. Right? No. no. So, so I'm sharing all this with you guys because as a parent, we give instructions and directions to our young ones that we love for a reason. Because we want them to be safe. And we want to know that nothing is going to happen to them. Right? Let's dive into the word so I don't keep you here all day. Genesis 34. Now Dina, the daughter of Leah, whom she had born to Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and violated her. His soul was strongly attracted to Dina, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the young woman and spoke kindly to the young woman. So Shechem spoke to his father, Hammer, saying, get me this young woman as a wife. Does this story sound familiar? Later. And Jacob heard that he had defiled Dina, his daughter. Now his sons were with his livestock in the field, so Jacob held his peace until they came. Interesting. Then Hammer, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. And the sons of Jacob came in from the field when they heard it. And the men were grieved and very angry because he had done a disgraceful thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter, a thing which ought not to be done. But Hammer spoke with them, saying, The soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him as a wife and make marriages with us. Give your daughters to us and take our daughters to yourselves. So you shall dwell with us and the land shall be before you. Dwell and trade in it and acquire possessions for yourselves in it. This is something Jacob planned on doing anyways. Then Shechem said to his father and her brothers, let me find favor in your eyes, and whatever you say to me, I will give. Ask me so much, ask me ever so much dowry and gift, and I will give according to you, to what you say to me, but give me the young woman as a wife. But the sons of Jacob answered Shechem and hammered his father and spoke deceitfully. 
because he had defiled Dina, their sister. And they said to them, we cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a reproach to us. But on his condition, we will consent to you. If you will become as we are, if every male of you is circumcised, then we will give our daughters to you. We will take your daughters to us, and we will dwell with you, and we will become one people. But if you will not heed and be circum- heed us and be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and be gone. And their words pleased Hammer and Shechem, Hammer's son. So the young man did not delay to do the thing. Because he delighted in Jacob's daughter, he was more honorable than all the household of his father. So when I listen to that story, and I think, I think it reminds me of a story of another ruler that we know who sees something that he shouldn't have and he goes after it anyways. Anybody know who I'm talking about? King David. But now we're on the opposite side of the tracks here, right? Now we're talking about the children of Israel being violated, rather David violating the people. What happened when David did that? What did that end up in? Disaster, death, chaos, right? For generations. Thank you, Kelly. So the one thing that I drew from this story right away is that your safety, your safety as a Christian lies in the fellowship of other Christians, Dina should not have been wandering out in the land to go hang out with the other women. I will, I will guarantee in the fine print that she was given directions and instructions to not gallivant with the people of the land. She was a daughter, not a son, a daughter. And we all know that the women and the daughters were treated way different during that time. And this story started off with Dina, the daughter of Leah, whom she had born to Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. She wanted to fit in with what was going on outside. She wanted to be a part of something she wasn't supposed to be a part of. Anybody here understand peer pressure? Peer pressure? One thing that I hope I'm going to offend. One thing I hope all those who still haven't come back to church yet from COVID here, sitting on your couch with your ungodly television, your ungodly neighbors is eventually going to defile you just like Dina. Go ahead, comment online. Tell me you don't want to listen anymore. Tell me you're offended. It's okay. Dina was unable to be married in the future. What does your defilement look like if you continue to sit at home and separate yourselves from the fellowship? What do the ramifications look like? Because... David going out and taking the woman he couldn't have was created chaos for generations. This situation is going to cause chaos and conflict that we're going to read about next week because it's not going to go down what we just read. What we just read was given as the solution is not what's going to take place. 
because Jacob's sons were just as deceitful as Jacob. And what they did was done in deceit. But the sons of Jacob answered Shechem and Hammer his father and spoke deceitfully because, because he had defiled Dina, their sister. So if we continue to sit at home, or we continue to hang out with the wrong people at school, or work, or in our social lives, or we continue to follow the inappropriate YouTubes, the inappropriate Netflix, the things that speak the opposite of God's truths, if we continue to wander about with the other things of the land, they will eventually defile us. Yes? Here's another one I'm going to offend. I have my Bible and I have Jesus. That's all I need. I said that once too. And I know why I said it. And so do you. You're now offended. I said that once too. You know why I said it? Because I'm doing me. I'm doing me and I'm not 100% in agreement with everything that that says and where you go and hang out on Sunday morning say and half the stuff that's going to be said there is going to convict me and offend me. I have Jesus in my Bible. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. That's it. I don't need anything else. You are wrong. You are offended, are you not? Because I remember when I said it and that is exactly where my heart was when I said it. You know why the FBI has a division called the Profilers? Because we've learned that all human beings think, feel, act, and do the same things. When I discovered that when I said, I have Jesus in my Bible and that's all I need, I know where my heart was, and I have now profiled that anybody who says that is saying it from that place. You are offended. I hate to break it to you, the devil's pretty smart. He's been arguing with Christians for thousands of years. He is smarter than you. You have not fooled him. You are not that good. He has fooled you into thinking you're okay in that place. Because now you're done. You're not going to evangelize anybody. You're useless. Like salt that loses its saltiness. You are now offended. devil is craftier than you and he'll trick you into believing that you're okay I have Jesus I have my Bible I go to church on Sunday I can go and do my life over here I can go be a part of the land I can hang out with the wrong people let's look into some of the notes from today dive into the story. Once Jacob settled in the land, the threat from the Canaanites became a problem. The threats from the world that you live in is a problem. Yuba City, Marysville area, I think Dave Shaw, the mayor, told me that it's like 70,000 people. 
How many of those 70,000 people do you think are truly following Jesus? Yet you want to hang out with all of them. You want to be a part of all of it. Not some of it. Not this part of it. All of it. That's a quick way to defile yourself. My grandpa used to tell me, show me who your friends are, I'll show you who you are. Another friend say, you hang out in the barbershop long enough, you're going to get a haircut. Yeah, we all know those. Cliché. Cliché parent stuff from the 40s and 50s. This would be a warning towards the defiling effect of the Canaanites. The people of the land, they served idols. They were ungodly. They have been. Remember when Abraham came to the land and the drama, the wars going on. We know the future. We already have the book. We have the whole story. These are not a healthy people to be hanging out with. And Dina learned that the hard way. Why? Israel was not supposed to intermarry with the Canaanites. That was told to Abraham. Abraham told his son Isaac. Isaac told his son Jacob. And I'm most certain that Jacob told his children when they moved back to the land. A disgraceful thing has happened in Israel. What did we learn here? The land was dangerous to explore for Israel. That world out there is dangerous to explore if you're not under the proper guidance and direction and instruction of godly parents and godly people and godly believers. Amen? Dina went out to visit the women of the land. I like to use the word visit. I don't even know what that meant. What's a visit? Hi, how are you? Exactly. Hi, how are you? I'm Dina. This action caused a landslide of tragic events that are about to take place next week. Going out there, something bad happens, that's not the end of it. Anybody ever get a speeding ticket? Sign says $300 for speeding. Or they'll charge you $15 per mile over the limit. Do you think that's all it cost you? Now you got processing fees. Credit card fee to pay the fine. Your insurance just raised your rates for the next three years. Traffic school. It's a landslide of tragic financial misfortune after that one ticket. That one bad decision leads to a landslide of tragic events. Jacob had already made, what? An investment in this land. He is now invested. You see, when it says, oh, we'll just trade wives, daughters, you can be a part of everything, that's nonsense. Because in the story before this, in chapter 33, verse 19, and he bought the parcel of land where he pitched his tent from the children of Hammer, Shechem's father, for 100 pieces of money. He already bought land from these guys. 
But now that they've defiled his daughter, they want to make a deal. Tell us whatever we can do to make this right, and we'll, we'll do it. And then we can trade daughters, and we'll be one, and we can trade. You heard that. He already bought in. However, Dina's step towards social interaction had what? Serious complications. Who are you trying to hang out with? Is that person following God? Is that person following godly instruction? Are you going to hang out with the wrong people and defile yourself? Avoidance. Avoidance, avoidance of the Canaanites would have been much safer. You need to avoid going to hang out in the wrong places, you young ones. You need to avoid putting yourself in the danger of being defiled. Shechem, the ruler of the area, violated her with what? With a lustful desire. Sound like King David? Lustful desire. He just wanted her. There's someone else out there that thinks they're desiring you for the wrong reasons too. And if you don't avoid those situations, you might become defiled. His what? His lust created a pitfall of havoc. For those of you who read the Bible, you know what happens next. Or you might all just go home and read it. Why? What, what was another pitfall here, Chris? Well, Dina's defilement would render her expectancy of ever becoming married. Nobody's going to marry a defiled woman. She's useless. Wow, Chris, that was harsh. I know, but that was the way it was back then. I'm just telling you the way it was. I love this. Jacob's response was most unusual. He remained quiet until his sons got home. Why? Parental favoritism? You remember when I talk about parental favoritism? Who was Dina? The daughter of who? Leah. Which woman did... Jacob love. Rachel. Might he have handled this situation differently if this had been the daughter of Rachel? Good question, Chris. Can't answer it for you. Just point it out and pointing out to you that at the beginning of the scripture it says, Dina, the daughter of Leah, whom was born to Jacob. So the story wants you to know that Dina's the daughter of Leah. Although We've already been told who Dina's been born to, when she was born. But the story wants to point out that this is Leah's daughter. So his response was most unusual. He did not do the right thing, period. He should have done something right away. And if he had done something and taken action without letting his sons get involved, what's about to happen might not have taken place. And they wouldn't have done things in a deceitful way had he done his job as a parent. 
Bullet points five. The Canaanites made an offer for peace to avoid conflict. Yes? Their offer was for what? A proper marriage. Guess what? Unacceptable. That is unacceptable at this point. You have violated my daughter. There is no making it right. This offer benefited them, not Dina's disgrace. You see that in the story? Hey, I know that my son did wrong. I got an idea. Let's let them get married. You can start trading in the land. We'll give you your daughters, you give us ours. Who's benefiting here? Him. Not Dina's disgrace. Jacob's gonna Jacob's got eleven sons and a daughter. And they're already probably married with wives. Yes? He doesn't need the daughters of the land. He brought his own family. Who's getting the benefit here? The Canaanites. The counteroffer from Jacob's sons was a plot of deceit. They spoke deceitfully. What they offered, when they said, tell us what to do. We want to make it right. We want to let them get married. No, 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 no. Here's what we're going to do. You guys want to be a part of what's going on here? You're all going to need to get circumcised today. And if you do that, we'll think about considering this deal and letting you have Dina. And then they all did it. And it didn't matter. It was a deceitful act. For you young ones in the room, let me tell you something. There is a reason we call this room a sanctuary. It is a safe place. Sanctuary. Safe place. Safe. Godly people. Godly parents. Godly instruction. Godly direction. Outside, Canaan. You feel me? You guys feel me? Okay. It's safe in here. And it's real safe right here because I'm a big guy. Real safe up here. It's difficult to defile yourself or be put in a position to be defiled when you are in the sanctuary of the Lord. When you're in the pack. This is the pack. We're the wolf pack. You know what happens to the wolves that hang out outside the pack? They get killed. They get defiled. I have Jesus in my Bible. That's all I need. No, I don't think so. I think you need more than that. I think if you really had Jesus and the word of God living in you, the outside things that would be going on would be you being here and you being excited about God and you evangelizing people and you would be being a testimony to God and you would be excited about coming to church every single Sunday because you would look forward to getting fed God's word. 
So when you tell me I have Jesus in my Bible, that's all I need, you're wrong. The sanctuary of believers, whether we are here or at home, is a safe place to keep from being defiled. Listen to your parents. Do not drill holes in the floor. Do not go and hang out down at the river around here. Don't hang out in the wrong places. Don't hang out with boys and girls that chew and do. That was a Pastor Markism. If we continue to live our lives exploring the river alone, hanging out with only ungodly people at work, school, or in our social lives, we are certain to become defiled by it. Maybe through tobacco, nicotine, alcohol, drugs, sexual promiscuity, lustful desires, pride, ego, the list goes on. Those are the top of the list. Those are where defilement begins. So you should know when tobacco, vapes and nicotine, alcohol, marijuana, when these things are around you, know that the world is trying to defile you. The enemy is trying to defile you. And once you're defiled, your expectancy of being married, as the Bible put it, is ruined. Useless. Now, we know we have a God who loves us and who can restore us and lift us up and clean us and make us white as snow and send you off and marry you away. But don't go down that path. It sucks. I went down that path. It's tough. I'm lucky I'm back. There's a lot of us around here who are lucky we're here. How else can I defile myself, Pastor Chris? You mentioned things I don't have any desire to do. Well, how about through YouTube, TV, video games, your friends, social media, Instagram, Snapchat, filters, fun, fun, fun. I'm focused on all this. Hey, I'm God. I'm over here. I'm right here. This is what's consuming my mind all day, every day. You need to be here in the sanctuary, you guys. If you stay here in the sanctuary, you're going to have an amazing life. You know what I tell people in AA? Sit in here, shut up, do what we do for a year. That doesn't mean sit in the corner and listen. I said, do what we do for a year. I guarantee you and promise you your life will be better. And if not, I'll sadly refund your misery at the door. Do you know why I say that? Because I know if they do that, their life will be better after a year. If you stick in here and you do what we do and you follow Christ and you open the word of God and you read it and you choose not to defile yourself, your life is going to get better. Stop putting things in your body that is altering your perception of reality, legal or not. Alcohol is legal, and people die and drink and drive every day. If you're putting something in your body that's altering your perception of reality, then there's something you're avoiding in life 
and you're self-medicating yourself and you're being defiled. I'm offending. Tobacco and vapes, nicotine, horrible, man. Horrible. You're in a prison in your head all day. Every 22 minutes, you're like, oh, I got to get my vape. I got to go outside. We've been sitting at the dinner table too long. Does that look normal? That's not normal. It's not okay. You're defiled. And you're fooling yourself. Fooling yourself. Again, I believe it's safe to say that if you're not in the pack, you're going to get picked off. If you go outside of our sanctuary and you go out into Canaan, you're going to get defiled. Okay? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you for your, your knowledge, Lord. I thank, you for, I thank you for the fact that we get to read today, Lord, and listen to how that we need to focus on you, Lord, how we need to stay a part of what we're doing here, Lord, how we need to stay a part of the pack of believers, Lord, how we need to stay in your sanctuary, Lord, so that we're not out there defiling ourselves, Lord, with alcohol, drugs, with, with TV, with things we shouldn't be watching, people we shouldn't be hanging out with, social media, things that are taking our attention from you and putting it on something that's defiling our heart, our soul, and our mind, and our lips, and everything. Lord, I pray over this body of believers. I pray over those at home. I pray over our community, Lord. Let us pack together, Lord. Let us be one, Lord. Let us be that body of Christ as we go out of here, Lord God, and we don't allow ourselves to be defiled, and we stick together, and we go out and we evangelize others, and we invite people to come to know you, Lord. They can come to this church building or another. I don't care. We just lift them up. Let us be that word, Lord. Let us be that light, Lord. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.